Hey, I'm Adi. And I'm Savannah, and we're the Politos. We are here talking about simplifying our life, growing and loving a family, and learning about the world. And today, we're reviewing outdoor kids in an inside world. Yeah, finally. I know, right? We said for so long that we were going to do this, but we're finally doing it. Yeah, so if you don't have kids, it's fine. I think it's still, I mean, I don't know. You didn't even read the book, so. I was about to say, I'm assuming (laughs) it was good. Yes, we'll we'll get to that. But um, how have you been doing? Uh, Good. Um, Well, (laughs) this past, (laughs) well, this past week I, I, I've had a uh, toothache, so, um, so I'm getting I'm getting a, a a third permanent crown. So they had to do the procedure where they, um, yet they cut like some parts of your your tooth and then they install a temporary crown. Yeah, and so not the third permanent crown crown that tooth. No, just in general. Yeah, like recently you've had a lot of right dental work done. Yeah, yeah. so. Uh, so, they install the temporary crown, like, <laughs> a week and a few days ago. Um, and since then, I was in tremendous pain. Yeah. Because, apparently, the temporary crown cracked. Yeah. And so, every day, I I had to take ibuprofen in order to, to help with the pain. Mm-hmm. So... A whole week goes by, and I finally decide to call the dentist yeah. and tell him, like, hey, this is, this is what's going on. And they said, hey, can you come in tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, so we can take a look at it? Uh, we, need, we, we need to check this before we give you the, the, the permanent crown. Right. So I show up the next day, and uh, it took forever for them to figure it out, for the dentist to figure out, like, what was the main problem. But she tested for... If I had, if I if I would need a a uh, root canal, so she did all the testing. If you don't know what that is, it's just like they like they hit your tooth with like the a metal little t- tool, uh-huh. and they blow air on it, cool air. Um, they sometimes might give you like cold water. Uh, so little things to see, like if if your nerve is very sensitive right okay so anyway they, they did everything and i was fine and then they're like, okay i think it might be the just the, the crown so it was giving you one it took forever for them to <laughs> to like polish the the temporary one um but they finally put it in and uh it's been now maybe like four days um with the new temporary crown and i'm still in pain but um, it's expected if the pain is decreasing now and, uh, we'll see if, if it's, if it gets better. Yeah. Uh, so right now I'm just like kind of annoyed cause I'm still taking every profit to help with the pain, but it's not as insane as before. Right. And it seems like it's getting better now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So another like trip to the dentist and I was just like annoyed. Um, and I was expecting the worst, mm-hmm. which was that I would maybe need a root canal, and so yeah. um, turns out it was fine. That's um, good. I know. I hope so. So anyway, yeah. So um, at, at the end of the the dentist, like working on my temporary crown, because it took forever, 
uh, I almost wanted to <laughs> tell her and the assistant that I like wish I could tip them because <laughs> like I did think I did thank <laughs> them for their service for the for their like patience and stuff. I did say like thank you so much for your patience and just working on this because oh, wow. it was like a while. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, uh, and. <laughs> Another thing I want to mention to you that I mentioned to you already um, is that there's this um, front desk person, and uh, she is 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 about to have a baby. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when, but uh, she's due sometime soon, I think. Yeah. And um, we talked about this last time I was there, and we were talking about how Bye Bye Baby is going out of sell, like out of business, business, right? Yeah. And so I mentioned to her that. That you were shopping at the nearby Bye Bye Baby. Yeah. And she was like, oh, that's cool. I got to check it out, blah, blah. And then, and then, um, last time I was there, I was like, oh, I want to mention this, um, the, the sale that we go to, and that is the Just Between Friends. Mm-hmm. So, it's a consignment sale. Consignment sale. So, uh, I get done with the whole, like, dentist, you know, business and about to say bye. And I just stopped myself and I'm like, so, baby talk. <laughs> that is so weird. So, I, like, titled my conversation. Yeah. It's, like, like it's, like, an article. Like, here's, like here's a title. introductory sentence, here, yeah. Here's a title of what I'm about to talk about. Yeah, that's a little strange. And it is strange, but I think sometimes it's necessary to, like, let the person know, hey, this is what you're... <laughs> <laughs> this about We're switching about. gears here. Yeah, so be prepared. It's all about baby talk. Oh my gosh, it was a little weird, but I was like, "So yeah, baby talk." Weird. But then I, I added after that, I said, uh, "So baby talk." Uh, so based on like what we talked about last time, there's a sale, and then, then I told her, right? And she seemed interested, and she wrote down the the name of the website. So. So yeah, we'll see what she thinks about it. Wow. But yeah, I thought it was really funny. And you also realize that like that's funny and strange also because baby talk is like a thing. Is it really? Yeah, I mean like okay. Oh, oh like baby baby talking. Like you talk to your to your baby. Yeah, and baby yeah, talk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so true. It's I didn't weird. Th- I didn't think about that. It's a little weird, but whatever. Yeah. Maybe but she'll uh go to the sale and it'll all be worth it. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I do. I don't like giving a suggestion of like, oh, you should go to this or go watch this or read this because at the end of the day, like they're gonna judge your oh. you and your decisions, right? So it's like if they don't like it, then they'd be like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna never ever. trust that guy again. Exactly. So <laughs> I'll never trust go. that guy's baby talk again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So the other day. No, this day, but the other day. Um, we were at home in the evening. Yeah. And um, there was a knock on the door. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's rare, you know, 2023. That never happens. So <laughs> <laughs> not in these times, not in this political climate. Yeah. So um, we also live in an apartment complex, so I feel like it's even less common for someone to just come up and knock on your door. Anyway, so you were in like in the kitchen with Miguel, and I walked over to the door. I looked through the peephole and through the branches of our wreath out there. I see this man standing there, and 
um he was like in his late 50s early 60s something like that and he's kind of like looking at his phone and like looking up at the door and i don't answer it but i just say who is it and obviously he could hear that i'm standing like right inside the door um and then i i know that like he could hear me really well and i would be able to hear him really well because uh we can hear like when our neighbors get home we can hear them super well outside there so um it's just like very easy to hear people outside the door anyway so i say who is it and he says I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. That's um, unusual. Right. Right. So I was like, interesting. So I was like, well, he didn't answer my question. So I'm just going to ask again. So I was like, who is it? And he says, <laughs> this is the best part. He says, a guy who wants to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's who. That's who was at the door. It was a guy who wanted to talk to me. Yeah. And so I was like, um, that's really weird. Yeah. Okay. So at that point I was like, uh, I'm just going to like tell him that I'm not going to answer the door. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, I don't answer the door for people if I don't know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> so then he says, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he goes, um, he's like looking down at his phone. He says, I used to live here. And a package got delivered here by mistake. And in that moment, it all came like back to me that a couple days before we had received a package that had our address, but someone else's name. And so then the whole like tone of the conversation changed. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've got it right here. You mean this package? <laughs> oh, you mean this package? Uh. <laughs> and then um, we opened the door and handed it to him. And then we're like, all right, have a good night. <laughs> so true. Yeah. That was so weird the way that uh, he just okay i'm a guy who wants to talk to you <laughs> he wants to talk to you that's the best the best response and then he's like okay i'll tell you <laughs> all right fine you broke me <laughs> listen i really wanted to give you this news face to face but i'll tell you <laughs> yeah yeah it was so weird just because it was a it was someone that a voice we never heard and it was just like just a weird situation. Yeah. Let's get up to the needy greedy. Okay, so at long last, we are finally doing our book review of Outdoor Kids in an Inside World by Stephen Ranella. Yeah. Many questions I have. Really? Yeah. I well, I was going like to... <laughs> I was going to start by asking you a question. Me? So here's my, like, uh, breakdown of the way I, I want to present this. Baby talk. So stop it. So I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. And then I'm going to share like what I thought going into the book, okay. like pre-book, and then my overall thoughts about the book, mm-hmm. and then practical takeaways from it. Okay. Does that sound good? Sound like a game plan? Sounds good. Okay. So my first, my question for you is, what was your relationship with nature like growing up? So like... How much time did you spend outside? Did you feel like you interacted with nature a lot or not that much? Or just tell me about what kind of kid you were in uh, regards to the outdoors. First off, can we break down the word nature? Like, is that is this like like grass and f- like 
like trees or is it kind of just outside <laughs> okay so we'll get to that kind of so okay. so let's just taking judging a book by its cover for a second here it's called outdoor kids okay. so just outdoors yeah um i think outdoors i was always outdoors um <laughs> What? I don't know. I was born outside. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Given the fact that I lived in a smaller house compared to most uh, younglings out there, I mm-hmm. would go outside. And I remember very fondly of times where I would go and play with my n- neighbors, yeah, the kids, and just like run around and be all sweaty at the end and <laughs> come home and eat dinner. Yeah. You know? So I would always be i think i was i was i was always active and i first had to do homework and then go outside (laughs) yeah i remember at one point we lived right next door to a park oh cool and my uncles and their friends they would play soccer like every i don't know if it was weekly or every other day but Mm -hmm. every time i would see them i would go and and like hang out with the other kids and play soccer as well oh cool and uh yeah, and so um, if it wasn't that, then it was just like cousins of mine mm-hmm. coming over and, and playing outside in the backyard or uh, at the park. Yeah. And my parents and I would go to the park. I mean, it was free, so mm-hmm. it was, it's, a, it's a cool cool deal there. You know, got the playground and stuff. So yeah, as a kid, I would always, um, so mainly I would just go like play outside of my house yeah. or to the park. Yeah. That's kind of the main door experience i had as a kid yeah yeah nice um yeah mine is similar i uh i think this is a very common experience for like kids who grew up in the 90s um of just like spending a lot of time outside with your neighborhood kids yeah and that was definitely my experience too um we like my brothers and i would spend a lot of time i think i talked about this before like in the front yard we had like a white picket fence and yeah. we, you know, we were the yard kids, mm-hmm. as the neighbors <laughs> referred to us, apparently. Yeah. Um, so we spent a lot of time time in our front yard, but we also got to, like, sometimes go out and play with the neighbor kids, like, on the street um, or in their, you know, in their front yard. Or um, more often, like, they would come over to our yard. Um, so lots of just, it felt like a lot of adventures happened, you know, in the front yard, climbing the tree making up games and things like that. Um, And then going to the park, yeah, like I wasn't even really thinking about that, but that, um, I feel like going to the park as a kid is just like peak experience because it's something so fun. But like you said, it's a free activity. So you get to do it like fairly often. Mm -hmm. Unlike, you know, it's like going to Disneyland. It's like, oh, that's amazing. But it happens like maybe once or twice in your childhood. Yeah. But going to the park, it's like, it's so cool and so fun. And it happens fairly often. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's more than one park. You go to different ones and change it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So going to the park, so fun. You know, loved doing that. Um, And then kind of beyond that, just, um, like, we did go camping a few times when I was a kid, but it was mostly, um, like, tent trailer camping, which I shouldn't say but, because not like that isn't camping. It is. But we weren't, like, sleeping outside or sleeping in a tent. We were in, like, a trailer. Um, But anyway, so a few experiences with camping, but it wasn't like we were outside camping, you know, every month or anything like that. 
Yeah, my only experience with camping was uh, as a collective thing at school uh, through, through like a program, like a science camp or through an after school program. Uh-huh. The, those were the only times that I actually, quote unquote, camped uh-huh. at like in, a, in a cabin. Oh, okay. And that's that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing, I guess this isn't really the question I asked, but I'm just thinking about this now. Like, this obviously is very focused. This book is focused on kids, but I'm also just thinking about how, like, so I remember a lot of fun times and like adventures and things being outdoors as a child. But I think that for me in particular, as I got older, I started to not have that same feeling of like adventure and like enjoying being outside. Um, I think that part of it was just like a comfort thing of like, oh, it's more comfortable to be inside. But I think there was another part of it that had to do with like insecurity. Mm. Um, And I've talked before on the podcast about how like I – Part of just kind of me maturing, like, emotionally, I think, was accepting the fact that, like, maybe I am more of a homebody and, like, maybe I am more of an indoor person and that's okay. Yeah. Um, And so, but I think that part of that that could have been avoided was, like, the insecurity part of feeling like, well, I'm not good at sports. Like, I'm not a sporty person, so I'm not going to be outside, like running on a soccer field or like playing volleyball or something like that. Like I don't have something like that. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I felt in those situations, I felt really insecure and like inadequate when trying to like play sports with other people. Yeah. Um, And then I've also talked about this before, but like this whole, I don't know, this whole thing of like hiking where I felt like, I was supposed to love hiking. I felt like that was like the superior activity when you're like a young adult. Yeah. When you, you know, when you're like high school, college age, I feel like if you're not hiking, like you're a loser. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you relate to that sentiment at all? Or is that just me? Yeah. I remember I was introduced to the concept of hiking (laughs) through uh, college friends. And yeah, I was like, oh, this is something that I wanted to do because I've heard of it, Mm -hmm. but it's too much work. And (laughs) that was a thing, like almost every weekend, it's like, we're going to go to this one. And in San Jose, they're just, you're surrounded by, by so many mountains and stuff. And Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's go to this one now. Okay. We're going to do this one. Yeah. Here's the Facebook group that, you know, uh, we're going to keep track of like where we're going to go. And (laughs) And, you know, so I'm like, okay. And also there was FOMO. And so you wanted to be part of almost every single hiking group. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and so it was just intense. Uh, Also for me, just sorry to interrupt for a second, but for me, and I don't know if you experienced this at all, but there was also an element of it for me that was like, and also that's where the guys are. Like, (laughs) I felt like, (laughs) I felt like, okay, if I wanted to like meet and hang out with these like potential guys, which unfortunately is how I like tended to view any like Christian guys who are around my age as like a potential mate. Yeah. (laughs) Then I got to go hiking. (laughs) Right. No, yeah. I I think same thing here because it was a a group activity. Yeah. So it was just not just guys, but girls as well. Right. Okay, well, let's, let's do it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where it is. And I think as a Christian, I think that's a, one of the common basic 
activities that you could do besides <laughs> you're not gonna go to a bar so you might as well just go to the woods <laughs> right right yeah so i think that's why it's yeah. very common and that's obviously a joke Christi- right. christians can go to bars but anyway um yeah so i just like i wasn't thinking about any of this when i was reading the book but i'm just like processing this now and kind of reflecting on like my childhood and growing up and i think that my point in saying all this is that somewhere along the way the outdoors lost like their magic for me and i think it was a mostly a like social pressure of feeling like if you're like to do outdoors quote unquote like it has to be done this way like you have to be hiking you have to be doing this and it has to be like strenuous like if you're not sweating (laughs) then it doesn't, doesn't count right and um that's silly and so i think that i'm excited as i talk about this book and like things i learned and things i want to implement how um i think that there's a way to like bring the magic back for me that's cool that's cool yeah so let's get into it my expectations going into this book were um i really thought okay so just for context i saw this book um, almost a year ago when we were at, when we were on my 30th birthday trip, we were in this little bookstore in, um, what's the name in of Monterey? Yeah, not Monterey. What's the Pacific oh. Grove, right? <laughs> Carmel by the Sea. <laughs> no, not Carmel by the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. Um, Pacific Grove, right? Isn't that what it's called? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. So we were in Pacific Grove and in this little bookstore, I saw this book called Outdoor Kids in an Inside World. And I thought it looked, that like the title just got me. I remember that. I was like, that looks so cool. I want to read it. I took a picture of it. And then I got it for Christmas. You put it on your wish list. Yes. And on the front of the book, there is a little blurb thing that says, host of the show Meat Eater as seen on Netflix. That's the only context that I had for who this author was. Yeah. Was just what this book said, that he was the host of the show Meat Eater. Right. Never heard of the show. So, based on the title, based on the name of his show, my expectation going into this was that the author was going to be very kind of extreme and that there might be feelings of, like, shame around, like, if you're not doing things this way, then you're, like, depriving your child of their childhood and... Um, screens are so bad for your child and like a big focus on uh, because the book is called has the phrase in an inside world mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be a huge focus on like how our society has gotten away from its natural oh. blah, 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 blah. and that's what I was expecting and I was down for it like yeah. I was ready for that to be a lot of the messaging mm-hmm. um, and that was I was wrong about that and so uh, but that was just kind of my expectation going into it so I started reading the book and just getting into now my like overall thoughts about it. So, and I guess a little overview. So the book is broken down into, there's not a lot of chapters. Let me just look at this really quickly. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you the names of the chapters because there's only seven chapters. Okay. So the first one's called Thinking Native. So that's kind of like an introduction to the concept that he's going to bring up. Chapter two, why we sleep under the stars. Chapter three, the foraging habit. Chapter four, tending the soil. Chapter five, think like a fish. Chapter six, hunting the deep end of the pool. And chapter seven, home. So Mm. 
this book, like the layout is so simple. Like it's a very simple and a very straightforward book. And I think that I, either someone told me this, maybe, I think that Stephen Ranella, the author, had basically said that this book is for people who are already on the path of like, this is something that they want for their kids. So he doesn't spend a lot of time convincing you that having your children spend time outside is good for them gotcha. because he already assumes that you know that. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciated that just from a like writing perspective that he really treats the author as if they are intelligent and that they want the best for yeah. their child. And it, there isn't that element of like shame that I was expecting. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to briefly go through like a super quick overview um, so in the first chapter, he it's called Thinking Native, and he talks, the main thing that I took from that chapter, and really one of the main things I've taken from the book in general, is this idea of seeing nature at eye level. So he talks about how a lot of times we can take two different extremes when we're thinking about nature and when we're, te- taking, when, when we're teaching our children about nature, and that's a looking up at nature or looking down at nature. So meaning looking up at nature as if it is a holy, reverent thing that's like untouchable because it's so like pristine and perfect and we can't touch it. Mm-hmm. Or looking down on nature as something that is dirty and gross and like we've evolved from that and it's like kind of beneath us, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And he was saying like neither of those viewpoints are what I want for my kids. I want my kids to have a peer eye level view of nature Mm. where they are seeing nature as like elements of nature as their peer and that they're looking at it eye to eye Mm -hmm. and not, and, and like something that can be interacted with and should be interacted with. Um, and I found that just little tidbit. So, compelling because i think that like he said both of those extremes are so easy to go to of Mm -hmm. like oh nature like kind of looking down on it or seeing it as like untouchable yeah um and so that was just very interesting i mean philosophically there might be like some very nuanced ways in which i don't completely agree with like being equal with nature like yeah you know but that's not that wasn't really his point. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really think that there's a point in talking about that. Cause that really mm-hmm. wasn't even what he, he wasn't coming at it from a philosophical point of view. He was really just explaining it as like, practically this is how I would want my kids to interact with nature. And I just found that really compelling. Like having this idea that nature is something to be interacted with. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so he kind of talked about how like um, he has gotten like reprimanded or dirty looks from people when he lets his kids do things like, um, I think one of the examples he gave was like chasing geese at the lake or something like that, where it's like he allows his kids to interact with nature in a way that other parents might oh. not and might think like, oh, that's not, that's not okay. Like you have to leave them, like let the, 
let the animals be like don't disturb them or whatever mm-hmm. and his viewpoint is like no as long as it's done in a, you know as long as it's done in like a respectful way and like you're not harming or whatever like yeah. it's okay for my kids to interact with with nature in that way gotcha. and like get really up close and personal um, so that's just like one very small example, but I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was kind of something that that thought, taking it throughout the whole book, was very like you could see that thread throughout the entire book of just being like eye level with nature. Mm-hmm. That's good. Second chapter: Why we sleep under the stars. So the rest of the book is really just him. Is really just him giving all of these extremely practical ways that you can get your kids and your family um, interacting with nature. Oh, cool. Okay. So the second chapter, why we sleep under the stars is just all about camping. And like the whole chapter is just about camping. He tells stories um, about camping from like his childhood and then camping trips that he's gone on with his children um, and his family. And one of the main things I took from that chapter was he just talked a lot about how, like, especially when you're camping with smaller children, like, things are going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And that the attitude that we as parents bring to that, it affects our children so much. And it shapes their attitude towards those types of things. Yeah. So even something as simple as talking about the weather and how mm. um, adults so often refer to, like, rainy weather as um like bad weather yeah and that's not super common where we live because it's such a like hot dry climate but in general Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it's seen and i guess the parallel for us might be when it's like 105 (laughs) outside super hot it's very easy to complain about the weather yeah and you know he just he was talking about how like he for his kids he wants to model just talking about weather as how like different weather is good for different things. Yeah. You know, and that it's not good or bad. It's just a different experience. Then he, he talked a lot about all the different things that can go wrong when you're camping. He told some funny stories about that and just how you have to like meet those challenges and be prepared mm-hmm. for those things that might come up. And, um, yeah, so it was just very interesting, and I really appreciated his, like, very practical things that he talked about and being really honest about, like, times when things did not go well at all <laughs> and stuff like that and just kind of how he dealt with it. And he talked about the way that it started to shape his kids and how they interact, like, on camping trips and, and things like that. Yeah, that's good. Uh yeah, you mentioned this um, while you were reading the that part um, months ago, and about the weather, about the weather, yeah, and, like, the attitude we bring, uh, and it is um, infectious. And mm-hmm. you know, we were just at church today, and similar lines were as far as like you as a parent or grandparent, mm-hmm. you have an influence, and um, your kids will we'll see that mm-hmm. like how your attitude is towards whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, it, and I could, and like, it's so like, we've joked about this before. Like 
Whenever it's too hot, people complain about it's too hot. <laughs> yeah. Whenever whenever it's too cold or rainy, people complain about that. Yeah. And maybe sometimes when it's just perfect weather, you know, it's the medium, people might complain like, well, we'll see like how long it'll last or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Uh, it won't be like this tomorrow. <laughs> so you better enjoy it. Yeah. So no one's really happy on that, like with that temperature. Yeah. They're, they're always complaining. And so I think that we do need to check our attitude, our, our words, our language, like what mm-hmm. are we saying and thinking when it comes to, to like the weather. Yeah. That's a big part of, of the environment, a big part of the outdoors. So yeah. I think that's really cool that mm-hmm. like, those things are to us very super minuscule and very like kind of like, Oh, just there's a thought about, you know, the weather, but mm-hmm. to kids that they, they'll feed on that. Yeah. They, they'll think that, well, when it's rainy, it sucks. Mm-hmm. When it's too hot, it sucks. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I think it's cool to, to think about like the, the goods and the, the, the positive of, of, of that weather that you have right now. Yeah. Right? You're like, yeah, like in Oregon, I mean, that was, it would rain almost every single like week, month mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, like, we loved it. And people in, or- like, Oregonians that were like <laughs> native, like, locals there, they, they've, you know, complain about it because they, they get that every day. Yeah. Uh, for us, we're like, we love it. Right. Because exactly. we don't really get that. And so, I think that you, yeah, I think the, the big part of like, of that is like you gotta enjoy enjoy what you have mm-hmm. because then you know like sooner or later you might get the opposite weather right yeah yeah mm-hmm. i know and it's like it does feel when you think about the impact that it has on your kids it does feel like a kind of a big responsibility but it's also you know it's exciting and i think about how when we were fostering like just noticing how in such a short amount of time how some of the things that we would like say and do rubbed off on our kids, you know, and mm-hmm. just being mm-hmm. reminded of like, Oh yeah, they started using the same phrasing that we would use for things mm-hmm. and doing things a similar way that we did. And it wasn't necessarily that we told them we, they had to, it was just that they heard us saying those things and they like really picked up on it. Yeah. So, so like you as an adult, like you, have a bigger respons- responsibility than you think because mm-hmm. there's people that are watching hearing you yeah and 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 so it's like we have to be careful mm-hmm. because they'll feed on that and you're gonna be like how how come you're complaining about this yeah okay chapter three is called the foraging habit and that chapter what you see is what you get it's <laughs> it's about foraging it's about creating a habit of foraging and um it it's funny because foraging sounds, when I hear it, when I read that, it sounds like a thing from the past. Yeah. But he was just talking about how, like, you can go foraging. Like, wherever you live, whatever, you know, wherever you are, you can forage food. Um, one thing that I so appreciated from this book also, which I'll bring up now, is that he talked about how you don't have to move. You don't have to go on this like huge trip out into the woods to be engaged in with nature. Um, he lived in an apartment, I think in New York. And then he lived in like in Seattle. So like a very urban area at different times with his kids. And so he talked about how 
you can live in an apartment you can live in the you know in a da- like a downtown or super urban area and you can still ha- get your kids engaged with nature it might take a little bit more effort but you can do it and he was like you know that was our life and our experience for many years and that was really helpful and really just encouraging to hear that perspective so with foraging he just talked about how you can do your research and he gave some practical examples of ways to do that which i don't fully remember right now (laughs) yeah but how to find out what types of um, fruit and other vegetation grow in your area that you can actually go out and forage and he talked about how a lot of fruit from fruit trees ends up just like falling on the ground and dying Uh and he was saying you know just see all of those things as resources that you can use and having Mm -hmm. your kids involved in that um is really impactful for them Mm -hmm. and so i thought about like the only experience that I can really think of of that is coming across like wild blackberries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember that being so fun and like so exciting to like find wild blackberry bushes and just be able to pick a bunch of blackberries and eat them. Yeah. And um, so that's something that that is one like practical thing that I would kind of want to take away from this is figuring out how to incorporate that into our lives, even if it's um, like once a year or, you know, Mm -hmm. not doesn't have to be an ongoing, like all the time thing. Yeah. But I think something like that is really powerful and just remembering where food comes from, which will, Mm -hmm. he talks more about that in the next chapter also, but um, just realizing how food is growing all around us and a lot of times without any human intervention at all. Yeah, that's cool. I, I didn't think about foraging. Yeah. And so that's really cool that that you could you could do that. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Yeah. And by going out and picking up the fruits and stuff. That's cool. I, the blackberries and stuff. I remember in Oregon when I, when I used to take care of um, a um, senior citizen. <laughs> uh what i don't know senior i don't know what's the proper word yeah a senior uh lady and Mm -hmm. uh and she we drove super far um i forgot what city but it was like maybe 45 minutes to an hour (laughs) away from her house and to just to see if we could pick up some wild berries yeah did you guys get some no no it was too late or what i think it was too late i think people picked it picked Mm. it already yeah, she was like, every year there's like these wallberries and these like bushes, and it's like right next to like a highway, like a winding yeah. highway. And so I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think that could be fun. It's like a, like a treasure hunt. Yeah. You know, and you're just scavenging. And yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's really cool to, to incorporate that with, with it just being outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things in that, in this chapter was about uh, mushrooms and um, he, he touched on briefly how there's a lot of kind of like fear related messaging about mushrooms and like, Oh, like it's very scary. And he was like, yeah, of course you have to know what you're doing. You can't just willy nilly pick and eat mushrooms. But he was just saying how 
so many of them are edible and completely safe mm. that people don't realize because there's kind of this like fear around it. Yeah. But foraging for mushrooms was, was one thing that he really enjoyed doing. Um, I think he might have mentioned this because of living in Seattle. Um, like it's a very uh, wet climate. And so I think that mm. there's a lot of like mushrooms, mushrooms. Gr- growing there. Um, but I don't remember what it was called, but there was a specific type of mushroom that he said was like this unicorn um that was like so hard to find Ah. and that it was like something that whenever he took his kids out he would always talk about this type of mushroom and trying to find it and um they knew what it looked like like he had Mm -hmm. talked about it all the time and one day he said that i think his son spotted one and it was like a huge deal because he had been talking to them about this for i don't know how long maybe years (laughs) i don't know but I was like, that's really cool, actually. Yeah. Like, that's very, very cool. And I could see how, especially for a child, that would be very exciting. And um, with this and some other things, he also discussed how this is really also teaching your children about things like um, patience, disappointment, how things might be, how you might go out like foraging for something and come back with nothing. Yeah. You realize that those things happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. And those are like tough lessons for a child to learn, especially when they're really young. Yeah. But these are like natural kind of ways for them to develop those, those skills. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Like again, super simple and like, it, that's that's really cool and uh, bringing fun and the excitement and the mystery of like let's go and, and see what we find mm-hmm. yeah i think that's cool and there's like you said like life, life lessons yeah when as far as like you know learning to be patient and stuff mm-hmm. uh, that's that's really cool so chapter four um is tending the soil and this one's all about gardening nice. um really a good chapter i think this was the one that, to me, seemed the most accessible. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also just the one that I have the most interest in. Same Like, here. I have always yeah. loved um, gardening, and I haven't ever done it to kind of, like, the extent that I would want to. But I have, over the years, grown different um, fruits and vegetables and always found it really fun and really, like, rewarding. And that was something that we ha- have already been talking about and wanting to do. And so that chapter was just very like exciting for me. Cause it's like all these things I already had in my mind. It was really like, um, kind of confirming and like reinvigorating that desire. Yeah. Um, but the main thing I took away from this chapter was, um, the value of your child just being closer to where food comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like that's something that I had vaguely thought about before, but he just really emphasized that importance and how it's very important to have those touch points. And he said, this doesn't have to be, you don't have to um, necessarily start growing and producing like 50% of the things you eat or 100% of the things you eat. He was like, you don't have to live in a museum to be able to appreciate art. But when you Mm. go to a museum and you spend that time appreciating and seeing the artwork, then when you see art other times, you have this appreciation for it because of the time you spent there. And I was like, oh, that's really good. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) Um, 
And so he was saying, like, if you allow your kids to get in contact with where their food comes from, that's going to change the way that they see the, you know, the strawberries that you buy from the grocery store because they they had an experience of watering and growing a strawberry, picking it and eating it. Yeah. And so that's like, um, that became uh, all of a sudden (laughs) uh, something that I was like, oh, that's really important to have those those little like touch points of remembering and being aware of where our food comes from. And he said, you know, if for whatever reason you can't grow a garden or you're not interested or whatever, the next kind of step up from that would be like buying your food from a farmer's market. That's one step closer to Mm -hmm. where your food comes from than buying it from a grocery store. Yeah. And so just finding those places where you can show your kids and remind them of really like what food is, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that's good. Uh, That's like hands on. Yeah. Just having the hands on experience with uh, gardening and seeing growth happen and then eating it. Like, I think it's, that's really cool Mm -hmm. that you could do that. Um, And, and yeah, I think we're both really interested in that. And uh, we we actually recently bought some, uh, what was it? Some vegetables. Yeah. Um, tomatoes and a squash. I plants. Believe. Some plants. Yeah. Yeah. We recently bought vegetables. No, no, no. Uh, sorry. Plants. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we're going to um, see if, you know, where, where that takes us. But yeah, it's really cool because I love gardening and I, I've grown a couple of stuff through the back in Oregon taking care of um, Jackie. That's her name. Um, and she would tell me like, here, like, here's a hay, put this, like, over the soil, and watch, we're going to grow some potatoes. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> potatoes? Really? And so, and then with that, strawberries and up oh, squash and so many other vegetables, I'm like, whoa, like, yeah. this is cool. Yeah. And and so, um, yeah, I, I think it's really cool to, to have that experience with your kids. And so, mm-hmm. you're right about that, about um, that they're going to appreciate so much more like art, you know, the the, the, <laughs> yeah. the fruits and vegetables that they see at a grocery store because mm-hmm. they just like plant that or ate that or yeah. whatever, you know. So I think that's that's a really good uh, perspective to have. Yeah. Um, this is a side note and not something that he talked about, but that also goes and fits really hand in hand with my desire also to raise children who are intuitive eaters and who have like healthy relationships with food um and growing food getting to cook your own food having um some sense of control and like buy-in into your food Mm -hmm. is a really important part of especially for a child for having a good relationship with food and not having it be something that's like negative or there's pressure to eat certain things or not eat certain things and all of that. So that really kind of fits hand in hand with that also. Yeah. So true. And and we're starting that now. Like Miguel has been eating food, like, like real food mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for about now, like a month and a half or two months or so. Yeah. Maybe close to two months now. And uh, it's been pretty cool to just like watching him eat certain stuff and certain things he prefers more than others. And mm-hmm. it's really cool. He just like puts that the fruits that he doesn't really enjoy to the side and eats, <laughs> yep. you know, 
like he loves tomatoes and strawberries mm-hmm. and so it's really cool to to see that yeah and um and to encourage that and like again it goes back to also the adults like what are you doing and saying and stuff like that's that's going to impact the your kid like yeah you know so i'm also like eating the food that he eats and stuff and he sees me and and continues eating his his food and stuff so it's really cool yeah i literally well okay so i i've talked about this before this instagram account that i think is really helpful it's called solid starts and it's all about like introducing solid food to your baby Mm -hmm. somebody asked a question on there about um their baby like struggling with eating or something like that one of the things that the expert asked back to the parent was does your child see you eating with their hand with your hands Mm. like does he know what to do like just has he seen it modeled for him yeah and that's just another reminder so anyway but today so i remember seeing that like (laughs) several weeks ago and today we were sitting at the table and miguel was eating a green bean for the first time Mm -hmm. and he had it in 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 his hand and he looked up at you and he was literally watching you eat your green bean with my hand which you were eating with your hand which i gave you a fork and i was eating mine with a fork but you chose to eat yours don't tell with, me what with to your do hand. how to eat my food <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> i was i wouldn't dream of it but um <laughs> but that was just so interesting because you were you just happened to be eating yours with your hand and he was like studying you yeah he was and i was like wow that's what i read about on instagram <laughs> what um, but uh, yeah and that's just another example of how like our attitudes, our actions towards this thing, towards eating are so important, even at him being eight months old. He's already learning from us. Yeah. Yeah. Sidebar. Um, I won't get into it too much now, but I mean, eating with your hands, that's that's a Mexican one on one. And I'm really grateful for it because now like our baby has to eat with his hands. Mm-hmm. And so he sees that. And, and I think that it's really cool for you, the adult, like to, to eat with your hands mm-hmm. as much as you can mm-hmm. uh, with certain foods and stuff. Or like, even if like you have to eat something with, with a fork and, you know, a spoon, like green beans, you could just pick it up and eat them Yeah, or broccoli as well. And so it's, you know, you could break these social food uh, routines mm-hmm. and, and, and be okay with that because i think similar i'm sure i'm sure similar to like gardening and, and getting really close to the food it's like touching it with hands it's it's different exactly <laughs> no i heard somebody talk about that on an intuitive eating podcast about how it is interesting to note that in mexican culture there is a like food is such a big part of mexican culture yeah and how it's traditional to eat it with your hands and to eat right. like using a tortilla to eat the food yeah. with your hands and not with utensils Yeah, and how in American culture, there's not really that same like rich tradition of food in the same way. Mm-hmm. And everything for the most part, everything is eaten with a, a fork and a knife. And it's like, there's just that little bit of like separation Distance. from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and, and with eating with, with your hands, like you feel the, the, the shape of the food, you you feel the the warmth of it, you feel stuff, and like the and the smell sticks on your hands mm-hmm. afterwards, and so yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I recommend trying that. Yeah, with the next meal you you do <laughs> with your steak, 
Honestly. Yeah. I've it, done that before. Well, I would say that... <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Like, I am still sometimes surprised when I'm eating with your family, seeing, like, the different foods that are served, and I'm like, oh... Oh, we're eating this with our hands too. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it surprises me not because I don't enjoy it. I actually I do enjoy it. I'm more surprised at like, oh, this is seen as like this is the appropriate thing to do. Yeah. Because in I feel like in American culture, it's so much like, um, like that's not appropriate. Like it, you know, get like, your elbows off where, the table. Wear your manners. Yeah, wear your manners. Use yeah. your fork. You, you like cut it up into small pieces. Right. And um, just recently, we were at your parents' house, and um, we were eating. What was the like meat that we were eating? I forgot what it even was. Meat. Uh, meat. Um, it was like a big piece of meat. Carne asada. I think so. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, but not like cut up. No, it was and a whole like, steak. It was like a whole basically, yeah, basically like a steak. Yeah. And um, everybody was like tearing it apart. And eating it with a tortilla with their hands. Yeah. There was not a fork and knife in sight. No, I mean, no, actually, no, no, because you use, there's also beans, rice, but we ate that with tortilla. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the foods that I I was very surprised to find that you don't use a fork and knife for. Yeah. So again, like next next meal, soup even, like (laughs) soup. Yeah. Soup. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I recommend trying that this week or something like that. Like. I, I think it will change the way that you see food and, mm-hmm. and just how you interact with it. Yeah. But anyway, go back. Going back yes, to chapter back to five, maybe. Yes. So chapter five is um, "Think Like a Fish." Interesting. Um, and I'll go ahead and put chapter five and chapter six together. Sure. Um, so chapter five is called "Think Like a Fish," and chapter six is called "Hunting the Deep End of the Pool." Okay. So, chapter five is about fishing. Chapter six is about hunting. Okay. Again, very much what you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, these two chapters were where I was kind of tempted a little bit to check out mm-hmm. and be like, mm, "This isn't for me." Yeah. Um, and he did talk about how, like, he really encouraged a lot of people to to like try fishing. Mm-hmm. Um. And he was very explicit from the beginning of chapter six about hunting and how he doesn't, he was like, I don't expect everybody reading this to be interested in hunting. I'm only talking to the people who like already are interested in wanting to try it. Mm-hmm. Like, here's what I have to say about it. Okay. Um, and so with both of those things, I just know for myself that that's probably not something I'm going to like engage in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you the things that I took away from it. So with fishing, um, he brought up some things that I hadn't really thought about that I was like, oh, I actually could see myself maybe doing that. Like um, mm-hmm. things that are that don't seem quite as like just gross to me. Right. Um, like I forgot what they, and now I'm like forgetting what they were, but like trapping, like with cages. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, like on Stardew Valley. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, things that don't involve like using a fishing pole, basically. Yeah. Um, 
or like using a net or something. I don't know. But there were things that I was like, okay with, you know, in the right context, I could see myself (laughs) like being okay with doing that and not just like hating every minute of it. But with both of the things with hunting and fishing, um, one thing that I kind of, that, that stood out to me was this is very much a way of life for him and his kids. And he's taught them these things from a young age. Um, and I have so much respect for that. First of all, like mm-hmm. I think there's for sure. a ton of a ton of value to that. And um, I don't know. I think that it just from that aspect of it, like how can we incorporate that same kind of like passing along a a tradition, a practice, um, something that is kind of seen as like for adults, but like including our kids in it. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But he also mentioned how sometimes his kids' friends will, like, make fun of his kids or not make fun of them, but tell them that it's, like, that what they're doing is, um, like, harmful or, Mm. um, like, I can't believe that you kill animals, basically. Yeah. And he has basically taught his kids to um, stand up for themselves and to kind of call their friends out on their hypocrisy if they yeah. are eating chicken or right. eating a hamburger or yeah. you know anything like that yeah. and i thought that, that was a really important point and then another thing um was um oh and he talked a lot about having a, a lot of respect and um care for all of the laws and rules Mm -hmm. and regulations around um fishing and especially hunting yeah and he talked about how there are so many rules and guidelines that you have to follow Mm -hmm. um he talked about how like growing up that his dad didn't really care about them very much Mm. and that he's really tried to instill in his kids the importance of the rules and why they're there not just like well these are the rules we have to follow them but the purpose of them yeah anyway so with that though there is one thing that i was thinking about like when when we're talking about gardening and the Mm -hmm. importance of having those like touch points to where our food comes from, I do think that's important for things like meat Mm -hmm. and fish as well. Um, And so that's something that I think will require a little more thought from like us, particularly for our family, because I don't see us necessarily fishing Mm. and like, slaughtering our own animals or hunting or anything like that yeah necessarily but i think there is an importance for myself and also for our kids to remember that this is a part of like how we feed ourselves as a part of the way that god created the world that he gave us these animals and so i think even just things like visiting a farm Mm -hmm. and you know spending time and seeing like and in an age appropriate way also helping our kids and like teaching our kids about that. That is where our chicken nuggets come from, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think trying to make it a thing that isn't gross because I think for me, like that's how I felt as a kid and still do a little bit Mm. that I don't like, I don't, I don't want to think about that aspect of it. Exactly. But I think that that's something that I would want for my kids to be able to have that like, appreciation for it and to not see it as something that's like gross or whatever, but like just part of 
the circle of life. <laughs> yeah, so three things. Yeah, so uh, I was just about to uh, mention that. I think that I would uh, introduce, I would introduce the the or reenact the whole scene t- with uh, Miguel of the circle of life and like you know the lines eat the antelope and the antelope become grass and then yeah. we become grass and the circle of <laughs> life and it is right. So yeah, I think, I think that there's a strong message there, and uh, and so I think it's it, it's so funny. Um, I remember as a kid uh, visiting um, like a farm, like a cow farm, mm-hmm. and just like smelling the the um, poop, the manure, and <laughs> the you know, and like, yeah. and I think also surrounded by horses around and stuff too. And so there, there's like those minimal but important uh important um moments in my life where mm-hmm. I was surrounded by animals and like we would go to like kind of like a um like a rescue zoo, zoo type of thing oh, yeah. nearby and so from Salinas and uh so I think that it's important to be surrounded by animals and like another point is like we might necessarily have hands on like with you know slaughtering um or, or food and stuff but with like when it comes to like our hope of like having farm animals like having mm-hmm. chickens and and goats for for milk or yeah. you know or you know whatever so there, we could do that yes um even bees and you know, having bees and having like mm-hmm. your honey and stuff so there's so many other ways you could you could um interact with that with those animals yeah without really killing um, right and the other point um is that Going back to just how we like feel about this, and like maybe if we don't really like, you know, the thought about going fishing and you know mm-hmm. and doing all that, the whole process and stuff. I think that like I, I have to again, like you said, really think about have a serious thought about it because mm-hmm. I don't want to like instill my fears or doubts and stuff to our kids. Yeah, and so it might be one of those situations where you have to like put your serious face on and and deal with it and go go through those motions and be there for your kid like i was just thinking like what if as you were talking about fishing hunting and fishing and stuff like i was thinking like what if miguel wants to i know i thought about that too do this yeah you know like i'm not gonna say like no because i don't want to yeah like i might be robbing a you know some a good connection with him and animals Mm -hmm. so so yeah it's uh one of the things to to consider yeah and it's also something where like i wasn't thinking about this before but that could also be something that's like okay maybe that isn't maybe not every one of these things is something that we're super like yeah. interested in it's also okay to be like hey you know who's really into fishing your uncle right like, you can go fishing with your uncle and encourage it and not have it be like a oh like that's gross thing but like really encourage it but it's yeah. like well, maybe that's not something that i love doing yeah but i'm so glad that well, you around, love that yeah but there's people around or whatever that yeah and like we could be supportive in that way yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah so that's it as far as the recap. And as we were going, I... I thought there was... Sorry, I thought it was the seventh, seventh... Oh, the seventh chapter? chapter is called Home. And it was just kind of like a, a summary. Oh, okay. A kind of a... Yeah, just like bringing everything together. Okay. Um, I... So as we were going, I talked about some of the like practical things that I took away from it. So I'll just briefly um, talk about those and then sort of my overall takeaway. So... <laughs> Basically, the practical things that I want really want to implement after 
reading this and it doesn't mean that I'm going to do all these now, but just like over the course of parenting, um, the gardening is the one that's like the biggest, um, the biggest thing that I feel like is attainable. And also I think will have a good impact. Mm -hmm. Also just, I didn't really talk about this a lot, but just making sure that he, Miguel is outside that he is able to like see nature and observe nature. And mm. um, there were stories that he told in the book about even like sitting at your kitchen table, eating breakfast and noticing the birds that like are outside. Yeah. Um, and I know that like where we live right now, like you might not think this, but there's like a lot of squirrels that we see birds. and birds and um dogs that are people's yeah, pets yeah. but i mean like those basically it's like it all counts like there isn't it, does, it doesn't yeah. you don't have to be in the middle of the woods for you to be engaged with nature yeah so that was something that i really was like oh like that is very helpful to realize that uh, the barrier to entry is not as crazy as i thought it was yeah <laughs> um so that's that was just kind of like a ongoing day-to-day thing and then like camping is definitely something that I would want to do and have that be more part of mm-hmm. like our lives. And um, I think big picture, like the big takeaway is when I, like before reading this book, I think that having our kids um, interact with nature was something that I would have said like, yeah, that's that's important to me. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of other things that probably were above that on my list of like, what are your priorities as a parent? Yeah, and I think that that it has really like moved up the list mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like just the overall way that it impacted me yeah. is that it kind of took something that was sort of like a peripheral, like, yeah, like that's good nature, cool, thumbs up, to like, <laughs> oh, okay, how can I be a little more intentional about this. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. Uh, I think it all fits with like, with food and like, that's something that we do like, like with food and, and eating and stuff, like it all connects, mm-hmm. connects to so many things, like your day to day activities and, and things that you do. It's yeah. So I, th- I think it's really cool to um, incorporate this and, and uh, everything or some or one thing from his mindset his like the chapters he hit mm-hmm. on uh, the, 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 the the concepts and stuff and uh, and I think that, that that will like help your child uh, appreciate more like nature yeah yeah that's a really good point that you just brought up because as I'm thinking about sort of our parenting style our parenting, philosophies and priorities um food and like food culture is something that has been really important to us and so i think that's a big part of the connection point it does there that's where it's kind of like taking who we already are as parents Mm -hmm. and then having these ideas that's kind of where they really the venn diagram overlaps a lot right there around food 
Yeah. And then there's other things I want to incorporate also. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of like the biggest connection point for us. Yeah. It's so relatable and like we eat every day. And so it's like, <laughs> it's not hard to miss. And, yeah. and uh, going outside, it's like you could find a way to bring that back to food mm-hmm. and your, your habits with that. Yeah. So it, it's part of that, like the whole culture of, of food and, and environment. Yeah. You know, because food is outside, mm-hmm. right? So, and yeah. we bring that inside, and we eat inside. <laughs> so, so yeah, it all connects. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, one last thing that I just thought about that I think is funny is, uh, so we live, you know, we live in an apartment, and we have like a very small little patio out mm-hmm. like our back sliding glass door, and um, once Miguel was kind of able to like scoot around and. Uh, and things I was like okay I gotta like take him outside and figure out how to do it but I felt like it might be a little jarring to just like put him down on the concrete yeah because it doesn't crawl yet so it's like he's just like sliding around on his belly <laughs> yeah um and so we ended up getting this like outdoor blanket and I was like okay well that's perfect because I can put him there and then mm-hmm. if he like crawls off of it that's fine yeah so like we we take it outside and it covers like a good portion of the almost everything yeah yeah of the concrete but every single time you put him down there, he crawls off the blanket. Well, scoots. He scoots off the blanket and he scoots to the very edge of the concrete and he puts his hands in the dirt. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if there's toys on the concrete. It doesn't matter yeah. what's going on there. He wants to be in the dirt. Yeah. And like, I, that's, you know, that says something. It does. <laughs> like, that's what he, that's what he wants. And he wants to pick up rocks and I have to stop him from putting them in his mouth. But like he wants to be engaged with nature. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Speaking of that too, we also have, um, we recently got some indoor plants and I think that that's another way to like bring environment yes. into your life totally, and, and bring outdoor indoor. And, uh, yeah. So I think, uh, that's a cool way because he does like, interact with them <laughs> yeah he's interested in the plants <laughs> for so sure. much that he tries to eat he uh, does he likes plants. to pull off the leaves and try to eat them yeah but we just have to teach him that there are some plants he can't eat so true yeah <laughs> well anything else that's it that's really good i, I was, yeah. obviously in case you can't tell like i definitely recommend it for sure uh for anybody yeah. it was a good book um thank you for summarizing uh the whole book and um yeah, it, it's really cool. <laughs> Some reason the whole book, yeah, yeah. I, I I highly recommend it for parents, but also if you just have kids in your life at all, mm-hmm. like in any way, I definitely would recommend it. It's really good. Awesome, that's good. Well, ten ten out of ten for you. That's good. Well, um, thank you so much for uh, sticking with us and listening to this whole thing. Uh, it's it. I know it was long, but hopefully it was like, you know, intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I, I found it very intriguing. Um, there were so many things I, I learned. Obviously, I didn't read the book, so I was uh, interested in, in all that stuff, and it's uh, very applicable. So, anyway, that is it, y'all. So, thank you so much, and uh, take it away, Savannah. And as Stephen Ranella says, when you're exploring your place in nature, remember that your attitude is more important than your acreage. See See you you next time.
And now for the blooper. Oh. Here's a little uh, teaser. This upcoming weekend, I'm going to uh, release, we are going to release a little Instagram story <laughs> project. Yeah. It's all about Savannah uh, reacting to some content that I've collected. So it might be this Saturday. So stay tuned for that. That's not a blooper, my friend. And now for the outro. Ha, 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 ha.